This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the converted prison ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 606 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. Now that I've shanked the leader of the Manhunters in the shower, I'm once again head number one around here, and my name is Matt Baum. I mean, I didn't realize that's what it took. That guy was moving just... in, all right? I knew it, and I had to do something about it. You were I mean, way I too just chummy it with to him. You. You're way too chummy with everyone in here. We've got to be badasses. Well, I guess that makes me head number two, the Internet's Joe Patrick. And I got to say, prison life has treated me pretty well. You get to lift weights. The food's not bad. And if you don't focus on the timeline or continuity, the future state comments aren't so bad either. Speaking of future state, Matt and I are still serving our sentence, reviewing another stack of DC's future state comics and rapping about our must-read picks for next week in the yard. So bake a file into a cake and send it our way or smuggle some comics in here for visiting hours. It's Future State Review Time in the Ziggurat. Welcome to week three of our DC Future State incarceration. And let me tell you, the free world of comics outside of DC feels like a dream I had years ago. But don't say anything to the master jailer or his partner, Lockup. We got a secret stash of some other new comics this week, too. Line it up! Put him away, you idiot. Nothing going on in here, Mr. Lockup. Matt and I were just getting ready to discuss the future state comics that hit the stands this week. Matt, why don't you get us started? My first review this week is a future state, Shazam, number one from DC. It's written by Tim Sheridan with art by Eduardo Panisca, or Pansica, sorry, Eduardo Pansica. The story is technically... Future Future State. As the solicit says, it takes place years after the events of Future State. Whatever that means. Shazam leads the Justice League, a small team including a female Goliath, Miss Martian, The Question, Vixen, and someone else who might be named Bunker. I'm not really sure. The yes, te- that's Bunker, who was an existing character. Oh, I didn't know there was a Bunker running around out there. What does Bunker do? He creates, like, um, constructs out of, en- like, solid walls and stuff out of out of energy okay i ain't never heard he of was no, from the new he's been he's been around since the start of the new 52 oh i ain't never heard of no bonker i don't know the team is starting to worry though about shazam's strange behavior in battle and villains are turning up moitered and everyone is wondering where is billy even though this was an even larger time jump than I guess last week's Titans book, I liked seeing shazam leading the team and even though this book takes a really dark turn I really liked it. Pansika's art was excellent, detailed, full of emotion and action. He's got some old school superhero sensibility that works really well. Sheridan's script is a little rushed, but nowhere near what we saw with last week's Titans, which Sheridan also wrote. As dark as this is, I think it's the most interesting Shazam has been in quite a while, and I'd like to see what Sheridan can do given some actual time on a book. I'm giving this a buy it. I mean, yes, I did like it, uh, but it is so contrary to the actual character of Shazam that yeah, there's. I mean, there's something it's hard going to see on. it working long term. Okay, and I saw a solicit that gave something away. 
I mean, timeline wise, it didn't bother me. Yes, it takes place after the Teen Titans book, but it's not like it's it's not millennia in the future like no, no, the no. Wonder Woman book or whatever that we read this week. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, it was a different. It was definitely a different take on the character, uh, and it had some fun twists and great art. I'm giving it a buy. It first up for me is Future State, the Immortal Wonder Woman at number one impossibly far in the future as it says in the script <laughs> far beyond any concerns about where the story ties in diana fights to preserve what's left of the world as it sits on the brink of annihilation by the anti-life equation becky clunan and michael conrad's story is more thoughtful than the synopsis would suggest giving diana a lot of time to reflect on the life she's led and the friends she's left behind of course there's still plenty of action beautifully illustrated by jen bartell the second full-length story features Nubia, the inheritor of Wonder Woman's title on Earth. Uh, I had to do some research here because I had heard the name but had zero experience with the character. Same here. Nubia uh, is from DC's pre-crisis era, whose connection to Diana has shifted over the years from long-lost twin sister to Amazon contemporary to alternate universe counterpart. Here... She is simply Wonder Woman. She has inherited the role and she's fighting to stop the deadly grail from stealing a powerful artifact. The story by L.L. McKinney and Aletha Martinez gave me Greg Rucka vibes with mythological figures hiding in plain sight on Earth, which I always get a kick out of. I really liked both stories in this issue. They're well-written and drawn throughout. I'm giving Future State, the immortal Wonder Woman, a buy it. I don't think I had quite as much fun as you did with it. I thought it was good. I did think a little bit of the backgrounds that Bartell did on the first story. So the computer generated backgrounds kind of made Wonder Woman look like maybe she was floating a little bit when she was supposed to be walking here and there. Not, this is not a huge complaint. Um, the Nubia thing, I just didn't get at all. It, she was just sort of dropped on you. And I don't know anything about that character. And I kind of felt like, well, this is a lot of Wonder Women <laughs> for Future State. I didn't dislike her. And I thought the story was pretty cool. It just was kind of sudden. And I didn't know where it was coming from. I'm giving it a buy it because it wasn't bad at all. It was just sort of dropped on me and not knowing who Nubia was or I didn't even know this was coming. Like Nubia was going to be a thing. So I went, huh? <laughs> and then I was like, okay. Well, yeah. Whatever. I mean, this just goes, this just goes back to our argument about you not being able to let go of the fact that some of these are just going to drop you into situations that you don't understand. I guess it was just sudden. That's all. I didn't know Nubia was going to be a thing in future state. So like Nubia being Wonder Woman in this comic is no different than what happened to Shazam in the Shazam comic. Except Shazam is still Shazam. And we've got another Wonder Woman that is Yara Floor. So that's. Is he though? <laughs> is Shazam still Shazam, Matt? That's Come on three now. Three Wonder Women and one Shazam. So I would argue it's a little different. Uh-huh. Okay. Shazam. My next review is of Future State Catwoman, number one from DC. It's written by Ram V with art by Otto Schmidt. Catwoman gets a futuristic armor upgrade to match Future State Gotham, and she's going to need it to board a train carrying homeless kids to a re-education camp. But that's not all. There's some very high-profile prisoners on board as well. V does an excellent job keeping the story on task and moving. 
Catwoman is running a train heist and everything has to happen on time. And we see the clock running through the whole story. The dialogue is sparse, but that's fine for this kind of story. V's Catwoman doesn't have much trouble at all mowing through guards. So I wasn't really clear on why she had to free a certain character that I don't personally care for, but it still worked. Otto Schmidt, who recently killed it on Marvel's Hawkeye Freefall miniseries, is amazing here with thin, detailed line art that's perfect for the pace of the story. Catwoman was in a terrible place the last time I read the book, so I'm pleased to see V back on the title, and he's going to be writing it post-Future State as well. This was a lot of fun. I'm giving it a buy it, but I don't know that this makes a lot of sense with the dark detective story. So, unless something's going to happen in there. We'll see. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't want to say anything because of potential spoilers. Yeah, we can't spoil yes, it. It's a big thing. There, There is a connection to the Dark Detective book. It is unclear how the connection works, per se, yeah. quite yet. Um, But I still really enjoyed this. I thought it was exciting. I thought the art was fast-paced and fun. And, uh, yeah, I... I really liked this. I'm giving it a buy it as well. Well, I think V's got a really good hold on the character too and understands like, look, we just need to see Catwoman be capable, be a badass, do her thing. There's some like really little things like where uh, the beginning, the kids are standing up to the guards that are roughing up another dude and they all make like a weird little, I don't know, like kitty symbol or something. I don't know what it is because they're all strays and they're like, yo, we are all strays and Catwoman's like, yeah, like they kind of worship her. And it's just like in that moment, like that was pretty rad as opposed to like, I don't know, making her friends with the Joker in the future or something that's not quite as interesting. So <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Next up, Future State, Nightwing number one. I was really excited for this Future State title, but it ended up being a bit of a letdown. Yeah. Now, three weeks in, writer Andrew Constant gives us yet another recap of the current status quo in Gotham City. Magistrate this, Batman that, blah, blah, blah. And instead of a Nightwing we recognize and want to root for, this Dick Grayson is totally disenfranchised and more than willing to just beat on criminals in the grimmest possible fashion. He's holed up in the ruins of Arkham Asylum. It's it's just like they actually, the script actually uses the word grimdark, which yeah. is an internet term that made me cringe. I hate that shit. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Cause just like, cause uh, 10 years from now, you're going to read this and go, well, what the hell? Would, what is that even supposed to mean? It just right. instantly dates your script, you know? Yes. The best Nightwing stories have an undercurrent of fun to them. Dick Grayson is a fun character, and this is anything but. Nicola Scott's art, which I normally love, is also kind of subpar in this issue. Yeah. There are pages that look rough and unfinished, as though she was rushed to meet a deadline, and maybe she was. It's certainly not the worst of these that I've read so far, but I wanted to like Future State Nightwing a lot more than I did. The most I can muster for it is a skim it because it's not terrible. It's just like, ugh, there's nothing interesting about it. Yeah, that's where I'm at. There was nothing interesting here. I liked the updated Nightwing armor. It was kind of cool looking. But <laughs> yeah, we had some words about the, the chin strap. The goddamn though. chin strap? He has a chin strap and no helmet. Which What's I it said, connected to? Exactly. Which I said to Joe was like wearing suspenders and no pants. Like imagine if Donald <laughs> Duck ran around with suspenders on. It would make no sense. It was so weird. It's such a dumb choice. But yeah, I 
hate to say it, but grimdark is the best way that I can explain this comic. And it's a word that I hate and a comic I kind of hate it as well. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a leave it because it just doesn't add anything to it. it and again, Nicola Scott, who's an artist I really like, was not very good here. It, it just felt like filler to have a Nightwing book. And I didn't care. And I love this character. And I'm really excited for what's going to happen to Nightwing when this is all said and done. Because there's a great creative team that's coming on. But for now, it's going to leave it for me. Yeah, that fucking chin strap is just connected. It just like goes up into his hair, I guess. No, no. It, he's got like some sort of headpiece on the back of his head. Why? Behind his domino mask. I don't get it. I don't know what purpose it serves, so just in but case it's he there. Bumps his chin or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's dumb. It's a it's dumb. It's a dumb design choice. Don't tell the wardens, but my next review is Rain Like Hammers, number one from Image. Here's your creative team. It's written and drawn by one man, Brandon Graham. This is the story of Eugene, a bald, shy, normal guy living in a giant walking robot called. Elephant City that plods across the desert world of Crown Majesty. Eugene is alone, spends most of his time researching and eating fast food, watching future TV, and trying to distract himself from his mundane existence. That is, until something starts attacking the walking cities. In the back matter, Graham describes this as being inspired by a style of healing manga, which focuses on small moments most stories skip to get to the action. Like he talks about a comic book that's about a kid that gets stuck in the rain and just decides to enjoy it instead of, you know, hiding or running to the next scene or whatever. He drew on his time after he moved to Vancouver and fell into a deep depression, and it shows. The emotion really comes through in the scope of the city and the barren landscape, paired with Eugene's tiny room with nothing but a bed and a weird future TV. There's an attention to the bizarre food and drink that he's constantly thinking about because it's the only thing in his life that he feels he can control. This was a masterful comic from a creator that continues to put out some of the most original, bizarre, mysterious sci-fi with, with the biggest heart. I loved this read. Like it choked me up in parts. I'm giving this a huge buy it. I totally agree. Um, I, I thought the way Graham told the story uh, really highlighted Eugene's isolation uh, I mean, he's obviously in a city full of people, and yet his existence is a solitary one. Um, his best friend lives in a different city, uh, and you know, all he's got to do, all he's got to look forward to, is his daily routine of his weird UV shower, yeah, his breakfast paste, and his job, uh, which is basically like cataloging things. I more guess, or less. yeah. <laughs> and then um, it's like a. It, it reminded me a little bit of um. Uh, it reminded me a bit of the Vision's job in WandaVision where like Absolutely. nobody could explain what they do there. Yeah, or he's just like pressing buttons and adding numbers. <laughs> he's like, what are these numbers yeah. for? And they're like, for adding. He's like, yeah, but what are they? What do they add right. up to? Like, answers. Uh, <laughs> and Graham's weird design work like is incredible and also kind of wonderfully distracting. Like I found myself staring at what is the most inefficiently designed computer monitor of all time. Yeah. Where it's some, it's like five feet tall. And so he can have multiple things going on. But like when he gets a video call, he's got to crane his neck way up. Yeah. 
to talk to whoever. Um, it's those little details that really make this comic. Well, and, and like the uh, weird I, food where he's like, mm, milk fizz with whatever, you know, and like yeah, they show the labels and it's all, <laughs> like, it's so cool. Yeah. You know, and it's like it, uh, the attention to detail about his life where it's like, well, I eat, I eat the cheap stuff today so that I can afford to pay for my favorite show later this week. Uh, you know, it's like, it's, it's just this, it's, it's this bizarre mundane catalog of a dude's life mm -hmm. in a world completely alien to our own. And that's what makes it so compelling. And like the little moments where like he looks out the window and sees this weird dead alien like, mm -hmm. and, and it's yeah. like talks about, Oh yeah, it's brain is trapped in that little aquarium and it'll keep ticking prob for the next 50 years. And then right. they're like, done with that next, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, wait yeah. a minute, what the hell? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this was fantastic. It gets a buy it from me too. I really, really liked it. Meanwhile, at the hall of justice. Now I did manage to sneak in one more future state comic. It's Superman worlds at war. Number one. Set in a time past Superman's disappearance and John Kent's bottling of Metropolis, the Man of Steel has transcended into myth, almost a religious icon on Earth. His hometown of Smallville is a mecca for true believers that want to share their experiences or just feel closer to the hero they idolize. What none of them know is that their hero is trapped, powerless on War World, forced into gladiatorial combat. I adored the main story here by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Michael Jannon and the doubts that I've been having about Johnson taking over the title long-term are starting to fade. We have a slew of backup stories, uh, a continuation of the Mr. Miracle story from Superman and Metropolis that I enjoyed a midnighter story. That was a fun read with bizarre art and the introduction of a new black racer, which really didn't really do much for me overall though. I thought this future state installment was a success. I'm giving Superman worlds at war a buy it. Okay. Again, I don't feel like I had quite as much fun with this one and I wish they would have gotten to the gladiatorial stuff a little faster because I didn't need all the stuff before it with everybody talking about their idea of Superman and, and here's what Superman did for me. And here's where Superman, because they immediately just jump out of that and go to the gladiatorial battle. Stuff. Yeah. But I think that this is one of the titles that is getting extra issues. And I think, uh, I, I think the stuff with the girl that was kind of mad at the other, like cult, like people might tie in. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I suppose I just wish they would have gotten to that a little faster. Um, I did not like the Midnighter backup story. I thought it was stupid. I thought it was just slam, bang, mindless violence with bad art. And the Midnighter is a very intelligent character. One of my favorite characters. And this just felt like, why is this here? Other than we got a, a brief blip of him in the Shiloh Norman Miracle, uh, Miracle Man story. I don't know why he was even there. And I don't know. Because they're both on War War. Like they were both. But that's, they, that's they something that Chris Salas War War. is not has nothing to do with war world nothing what's that the stuff of the chrysalis that has nothing to do with war world the chrysalis. that's where he was he was fighting those weird road that's where he was created or whatever so, no 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 the midnighter found himself on one of the sh ships in the fleet that were attacking war world at the end of chapter one of mr miracle right and then he goes from there to this chrysalis thing where he kills a bunch of like 
half robot men or whatever with really bad art. Yes, I agree. The art was not great. Yeah, but I, I just like, what does this have to do with anything? And the story was just dumb. It was like him dropping one liners. It, and- it tied into the Superman of Metropolis stuff with uh, the Trojan guy and the fake Kryptonite stuff. Like, I'll give you that. They mentioned that it was made there or whatever. I, I just yeah. didn't. I, I don't know. It just felt like filler. Didn't do much for me. And I really like. It was Becky Cloonan wrote it, right? Um, I'm giving this a skim it. I just didn't. I wish. I think. I agree that I'm feeling better about Philip Kennedy Johnson taking over Superman. I think he's got some good ideas. I guess I just wish it would have gotten to the things I had bigger questions about, like why is he there? What's going on? And why is he on war world? We thought he was dead, things like that. And I'm sure that will be revealed, but the whole beginning sort of felt like something you would get in, I don't know, like a Superman annual or a, Superman celebration issue where people there's like a side story where people are talking about their idea of Superman. So, yeah, you know, see, and I kind of, that's what I kind of liked. Like I kind of liked, yes, it was a slow burn and maybe uh, an argument can be made that it took up too much space. Had that been like maybe three pages less, I would have been, I just, I really liked seeing all the people's interpretations of like, well, you know what? Maybe like he was never human. Like, what if he's done this on a thousand different planets over the over a thousand years, you know, and he just moved on to the next planet in a totally different form? You know, like I liked that sort of thing where the people were trying to figure out they were trying to make sense of what happened to to their hero. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I understand. I understand what you're saying about it. Um, maybe taking up too much real estate. Uh, you know what? I think you're right. I think it was Becky Cloonan. And the fleet of ships show up at the end of this chapter of Mr. Miracle, not the first chapter. So they are directly tied to, to one another. Um, it's just that he does not stick around for long. Fair enough. It's written by Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad. Yeah, I just didn't care about that story at all. I thought it was a waste. But uh, They also wrote the um, Immortal Wonder Woman, Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad. Next up for me is I Breathed a Body. Number one from Aftershock. And if you think that title's weird, wait till we start talking about the script. This is written by Zach Thompson with art by Andy McDonald. Milo is an internet sensation. Think Logan Paul if his dad was Elon Musk. But his recent video, a fake suicide, has caused a backlash that is making the MyC, that's M-Y-C-E-E, the company that redesigned social media after the fall of the other corporate giants, millions of dollars. Milo's father also seems to have revolutionized lab-grown meat, and there's quite a bit of metaphor thrown around with the public's taste for blood. The book opens with some serious body horror and ends with the same, but we don't quite know where the mystery is going yet or what that first scene even really was. The solicit calls this the social network meets Hellraiser, and that's probably the best description. Thompson's script feels like a direct stab at Facebook as we follow Anne, Milo's handler, and social media manager while she speaks in corporate buzzwords and reminds the reader how much money MyC is making. Now, I'm not sure how the Logan Paul model has changed social media in the near future, but this is a horror comic. And the only thing more horrifying than corporate indifference is gore, I guess. And Thompson brings it by the bucket load. The plot feels a little forced, but most of my favorite classic horror films suffered from the same. This is 
very high concept horror in a genre packed with bikini clad babes that just normally kill zombies. So I'll give it props for that, but the script was a little difficult to follow. And I just don't know that I buy that this company revolutionized social media the way that they're saying it did when all it seems to really be doing is following this dipshit kid that's making like day in the life videos, I guess. Viral videos. Yeah. yeah. I'm giving it a skim it because the art was really solid and the gore was really gross, but that's kind of all it has going for it. I don't know, man. Like the more I think about this, I read this today and I, I finished it and I closed my laptop and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't even know what this is. Like, what is this? Like, I understand the social media stuff. I understand that they're trying to make some sort of commentary. Yeah. I mean, and, on, and I think that's uh, what they were like really going for. But they, I mean, obviously they're going for that, but I don't know that they pulled it off convincingly, you know? I, I guess what they failed to do, it would have been one thing if the thriller elements at the end with Milo had been more connected to like the body horror stuff we saw going on in the background, but it wasn't like nothing had anything to do. It felt like nothing had anything to do with one another. Yeah. So this likens it to the social network and Hellraiser. And the thing about Hellraiser is Hellraiser was all about this box that makes its way through the world and it's a portal to hell. So I get that. That's all you need. This is like, yeah, but there's some horrifying thing going on. And you know what else is horrifying? Social media, man. Am I right? But also real horror, man. Yeah. You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, there's I, also, with there's you. also, a, <laughs> there's also a weird time jump where, and I couldn't figure out, I couldn't figure out what was happening when I, I, I think the stuff at the beginning of the issue was happening in the past. But I, I think it may or may not have been the birth of the Milo character. I, that's just uh, it. I don't I really don't know. know. I, and there's like this big I, blob of like flesh God yeah. thing. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't man. know. I, <laughs> uh, I thought that the art was good, um, but I thought that the story was nearly impenetrable. And so I hate to do it, but I'm giving it a leave it because there's no way I'm coming back to this. Like, no, I don't, I no. didn't get enough out of it to be like, okay, I kind of see what they're going for because I absolutely did not. That's fair. That's fair. The only reason I'm giving a skim it, I like gore and this guy draws gore really well. I think, Freaking and weirdo. that's hard to do. Last up for this week is Crimson Flower, number one from Dark Horse. Matt Kent is back on his bizarre nonsense with a story about a mild-mannered, unnamed pharmaceutical rep that's secretly on the hunt for the man that moitered her father. Oh, my. She's clearly got some kind of mental condition, maybe schizophrenia, and uh, she's got hallucinations of Slavic folklore that guide her actions. Matt Lesniewski's art is wonderfully bizarre exaggerated in all the best ways and accentuated by the bold colors of Bill Crabtree. This is the most unique looking comic I've seen in a long time. And the style really drew me in. If I'm being honest, it's not entirely clear yet how the folklore angle is going to play into the larger story, but the mystery hooked me and I definitely trust Kent as a storyteller. Plus the visuals are so damn compelling. I'm giving Crimson Flower a huge buy it. Okay. Uh, on that thought that you weren't really sure 
it's not entirely clear to you how the folklore angle ties in. Let me just ask you, at what point were you entirely sure what was going on in mind management? <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's, you know, I, I like, get it. This is what this guy does. And he is, but here, this is, what, this is what I'll say is yes. This is what I'll say is the difference between something like this and something like I breathe the body is that I read this and I was like, I want more. Yes. I want to know more. Absolutely. I'm, I am confused, but I am following it enough to want to see where it goes. Yeah. At the end of, I breathe the body. I was like, I don't care what happens. It's, uh, no, I totally agree. And I'm glad that these are back to back because it shows a writer like Kent who can propose a mystery that is so bizarre that it's not even like a whodunit. Like, oh, I have to see who murdered who. It's more like I have to see what the hell is going on because he is so good at that slow burn. You know what I mean? That he can hook you with this bizarre idea, not to mention the art, like you said, is absolutely stunning, but he can hook you, pull you in and make you want more. Whereas I think I breathe the body is so stuck in its concept that it just kind of got lost in it. So we'll see where this goes. Crimson flower is a huge buy it for me too. Matt Kent is an amazing writer and I'm really excited for more of this. He's done it again. All right. Which book wins, Matt? What was your book of the week from this pile? I think Crimson Flower wins for me because honestly, of all these books, it's the only one I want to revisit. Rain Like Hammers was incredible, but I'm going to wait so I can just read the whole thing. Sure. I want to sit down and I will buy this on a hardcover and I will put it next to my other Brandon Graham books, but I think it may be better read as a trade paperback as opposed to a comic book. Matt Kent is writing something here that is, that pays off and it's going to pay off with each issue and it's going to build on the mystery. So I'm giving it to Crimson Flowers. Yeah. It's the sort of story that kind of demands that you wait to see what happens next. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, As opposed to like, yeah, this was good and I'll wait to see it when it's done. Right. This is like, I need the next chapter. I need the next chapter. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, I you know what I I I am surprised at your answer, but I'm going to agree. It was Crimson Flower. I I mean to be fair, I do think the Brandon Graham book was the best thing I read. But if we're talking episodic, is you know comic books issue by issue, Look, I think man, Matt that's Kent's not, name. We don't split hairs like that. If it was the best, it was the best. Eh, no, I I agree. I just think, quite honestly, I'm going to read Crimson Flowers every month it comes out, and I'm going to wait for this other one to finish. So I'm giving that one my best comic of the week. All right. Boom! That is it for reviews, and boom is the sound of Nubia getting sucked through a mysterious portal, as seen in the pages of Future State Immortal Wonder Woman number one. This onomatopoeia of the week was mandated by the Master Jailer, and if you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can post it to any of our social media accounts or send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Better yet, call us 402 819 4894. And make the noise with your mouth, but you've got to tell us where this noise came from, what comic book it's in, and what is making the noise. And we'll play it on the show. Same goes for your submission. Don't just send us a picture. Tell us, this is the issue it's from. This is the noise it's making. You want to include the picture? I'm into that too. Do it. The Master Jailer, one of two distinct DC Comics characters obsessed with the incarceration of others. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, 
Like, think about all the dumb stuff the villains could be, uh, you know, into. I think jailing someone, that's that's pretty cool, you know? Yeah, yeah I suppose. <laughs> Normally after our reviews, we'd head to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to discuss our must-read picks for next week. But again, we were caught with non-DC contraband in our bunks, so here we are on laundry duty. Washing the other Mole Man inmates under ruse, and let me tell you, get out of this we are having a self-care and cleanliness review with these monsters Ugh. gross matt tell the nerds about your must read pick for next week my must read pick for next week is actually a dc book and i'm not being forced into it it's superman versus imperious lex from dc it's written by mark russell with art by steve pugue here's your solicit Welcome to Lexor, home of the greatest businessman in the multiverse, Lex Luthor. After years of prosperity, Lex's utopia is at last ready to join the ranks of the United Planets and promote peace among worlds. However, Lex has never done anything unless he had something to gain from it. What could he be up to this time? Sounds like a job for Superman and his wife, Lois Lane, the Earth representative to the UP. It's time the Man of Steel shut down this former Metropolis magnate once and for all. This is Mark Russell. Take it down, Trump. Let's call it what it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And Mark Russell, we've recently talked about this, but Mark Russell is one of those creators where if you put his name on a book, I am going to read it and I guarantee I'm going to laugh out loud while I do it. And it's not because the guy is writing slapstick comedy. He's super intelligent and he writes wonderful comic books and he has an understanding of these characters that he can push to the world of comedy, much like Matt Fraction did with Jimmy Olsen. Mark Russell is wonderful. Steve Pugue is also wonderful. I'm super excited for this. I love Lexor. It's uh, it's it stems from an old pre-crisis uh, Superman idea, you know, by the late seventies, early eighties, they'd done everything under the sun with Lex Luthor. Right. Right. He was a cackling supervillain in a, in an Iron Man suit at this point. And Lexor is a planet that he actually, I don't know, he like saved. And so the people of Lexor treated him like Superman. Like he was their benevolent hero and leader. And so it was a place that Lex Luthor went when he just needed to be loved. Sure. <laughs> and he had like a wife and a kid. And it was like, it, it's so, oh, and then like, gross. of course <laughs> it was violently destroyed. <laughs> uh, and uh, things did not go well after that. But yeah, uh, I love Lexor and I'm so glad it's making like at least some sort of goofy comeback. Yeah. And this is one, like, I don't care. This is what, like, this is a future state comic Mark Russell's writing. It's going to be fun. So I don't care. Let's have fun with it. But like, yeah. yeah. You know, all the other stuff is far flung in the future where I would assume Lois is dead because, you know, she's human. So oh. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. And now here I am thinking that we had an agreement that our picks of the week would be non-future state books. I didn't so, know we ever agreed to that. Yeah, we sure did. We did it for two weeks in a row. And here I am week three. I mean, we just picked others. Pick stuff that wasn't, I guess. No, no, <laughs> I don't remember talking about future it. state picks. You go back and listen to the tape for the first episode of it. Yeah. yeah. You go talk to your Anyhow. dead Manhunter boyfriend and tell me how that worked out, all right? <laughs> <laughs> My pick for next week is Steak, number one, from Scout Comics. It's written by David Byrne. 
drawn by Francesca Fantini. It's 32 pages for $3.99, and here is your solicit. Three years ago, vampires announced their presence to the world in grand fashion. In one instant, Angel lost her two best friends and her existence changed forever. Now, as a member of the Vampire Bounty Hunter Union, the VBHU, <laughs> and with the help of her ancient vampiric mentor, Jessamy, she's out to track down the bloodthirsty monsters who destroyed her life. She is dot, dot, dot. Stick. And this is written uh, by the front man of the Talking Heads. That's so cool. Uh, sorry, this is David A. Byrne. Oh. Uh, a different David Byrne. Oh, that sucks. Never mind. I'm out. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Uh, this, uh, this kind of struck me as like, as having like a, um, hack slash vibe, but maybe less stupid tongue in cheek, <laughs> less tongue in cheek, okay. you know, more like yeah, tongue in cheek, stupid tomato, potato, hey, come on, you know, whatever. <laughs> Look, I love Tim Seeley. I've never given a crap about hack slash. It's just, it, that's it, fine, but we're not going to make a habit of judging entire runs of books that we've read very very little of okay so. every time i visited it i was just like why am i here <laughs> all right uh yeah it just it sounds fun i like a good vampire story sure. and the art looks pretty great and i love the talking heads the art does look very good and i'm the biggest talking heads fan in the world so the thn trade of the week goes to universe volume one it's a hardcover. It's from image comics it's written and drawn by albert montes it's 208 pages for $29.99. What is that, basically free, right? I, pretty much. Here's your solicit. The Eisner-nominated series of self-contained and somehow connected sci-fi tales involving alien life, robot love, corporate greed, travels through time, space, and perception, collects universe digital... Yeah, I guess it just stops there. Collects universe digital edition number one through five. Universe was absolutely stunning this was part of the what was the name of the panel syndicate thank you it's part of the panel syndicate books that they gave away for free basically well it was pay what you want right and i'm sure that there were some assholes that paid nothing right um but yeah it was a pay what you want digital model drm free you could buy them or not and just pass them around uh, and it was comics and they were uh they're a huge success and they've they've eventually been collected in print form by Image, and um, yeah, I love it. I loved Universe. It was incredible. It. This is one I will buy. I also paid to read all of them digitally because they were incredible. My only complaint is where is Albert Montes? I want more from this guy, and I want it now. Albert 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 Montes just came off drawing the um, Slaughterhouse Five graphic novel written by Ryan North. Oh, I didn't know that. Which oh. uh, was mentioned on cover to cover a couple weeks Neat. back. I will definitely check that out. Be sure to pick up these comics so you can read along with us. And don't forget, the THN Book Club Book of the Month is War on Terror, God Killers from Aftershock. Right. We will be reviewing it next week on our Take a Look. It's in a book segment. So read that along with us so you can hang. Because it's your show, too. And we want to talk to you about it on cover to cover, please. And while you're at it, you can always find our complete review list every Wednesday on our Twitter and our Faces book if you want to read along. But be sure to order all of these comics. Put them on your pull file. It's the best way to help your local comic shop during a very difficult time. Yes, we have a new president. Yes, Dr. Fauci is free to do his job finally. But 
everyone is still struggling for the time being. COVID is still a thing. Wear your mask, order your goddamn comics, and read along with us. Excelsior! (laughs) That is it for THN 605 next week. 606. 606 next week. We're reviewing more future state comics, but I got a plan to bust out of here. Until then, give these nerds a new question of the week, Joe. This week's question was submitted by Morgan Le Francais via the THN forums. Do you think being a villain or a hero depends on what type of superpowers you have? I mean, it's pretty easy to be a hero if you've got Superman's abilities. You're not risking much. But if, for example, you have the ability to walk through walls or kill with a touch, aren't you <laughs> determined to be some sort of supervillain? I mean, I don't know. Like, look at Wolverine. He's got knives that come out of his hands. He's a hero, you know? Make a case. Yeah. Make a case. Let's talk about it. Let's hear it. Uh, please hit me up with your new question of the week suggestions. We are out. And I'm not creative enough to come up with one every week. So please hit me up on the forums. Hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, email, wherever. And when he says me, he means two-headed nerd. <laughs> not Joe Patrick. Or me. <laughs> like, I, look, I am part of two-headed nerd. If you send it to me directly, I'll get it. Cover to Cover is back every Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time live on our Facebook page. So call us at 402-819-4894 or shoot an MP3 of your answers to twoheadednerd at gmail.com and you could be internet famous. Uh, If you are going to send in a submission via voicemail or MP3, please keep it to two minutes or less so that we can share the air with the nerds that call in live. There are lots of them. It's true. And we want to give everybody a chance. And not make the show two hours long. If you're new to the show and you would rather read the comics we smuggled in here up our butts than listen to any more, I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough. Good news is, you can hear the entire run of THN, our digital long box archive, over at TwoHeadedNerd.com. It's on the internets. But hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like our newest patron, Mr. Jim Heavey. You can hear him regularly now on Cover to Cover, where he calls in to talk about manga that Joe Patrick doesn't give a shit about. I... That's true, too. I personally care. And I'm reading Jujutsu Kaisen. I started... And you know what? Gotta say, it's pretty good. Look, I'm happy to hear from him. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman, who have announced that they'll be leaving the ongoing Venom title with issue 200. Following the current Cain Black crossover, they have managed to take one of Marvel's most overused characters and make him the star of one of the publisher's most compelling titles. Yeah word to you dudes and props for going out on top. I can't say enough about how good that book is. How good the King in Black like event is. Man, I just read that Valkyries King in Black one shot. That was excellent. <laughs> it was really, really good. Not to mention the fact that it should be noted Donny Kate said 200 will be their last issue and they are never working on Venom again. They said it in all caps. <laughs> I guess they're done. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just surprise you and pull your stack out of his butt. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Sign him up for the wellness class. <laughs> the wellness and cleanliness. That's right. <laughs>